welcome. And today I'm joined by certainly a, a, a star of the domestic scene, <laughs> um, a multiple national champion, I believe. Um, so yeah, it's, it's Shah Broughton. How are yeah, you doing? Hi everyone. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, so literally this morning, the the teams are announced for the tour series, uh, and that's really what we're we're here to talk about. So AWOL O'Shea uh, are part of it, um, mm-hmm. which I, I assume means that you'll be doing it. Um, it's a, a six-race series um, starting in Giesley or Giesborough. Sorry, I'm really bad at names. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, on uh, Mayday um, Bank Holiday. So, yeah, are you, how's, it, how's it going and are you looking forward to it? Yeah, I think it'll be a really great opportunity uh, for me and my teammates to kind of get stuck into some really tough crit racing. I think that it's um, it's quite, uh, uh, well, I guess it's quite iconic for the domestic scene in the UK because obviously so many like huge names that um, have kind of come through the ranks, like say Lucy Garner, Han- Hannah Barnes, they've all kind of raced that. Uh, Nikki Juniper, Grace Garner, they've all done like, astonishingly well uh at tour series then also um afterwards gone to do good things as well which i think um i think shows that actually the tour series is a really good kind of gauge for actually what you can do in a road race at the end in in my opinion i mean i know that other people probably disagree with that but um i think that tour series can really show who can just put themselves in the hurt locker and just be like do you know what we're just going to sit here for 45 minutes to an hour and just you know smash it around some some towns i think it's i think it's really good and i think it's um it's also great for spectators which i think especially uh for my team i think it's a really important thing that we're seen to be positive role models and also inspiring young girls because at some point not that long ago actually because we're all quite young we were young girls watching stars at tour series and, and one one day wondering if you know maybe that'd be us so it has a massive impact and I think that can't be overlooked yeah like it's that, it's that sort of theory of you cannot be what you cannot see so exactly. ha- having that uh, I think that's great um we kind of discussing off air um the sort of how they're going to run it this year because last year mm. it was it was typically the women did the first race and the men sort of finished everything off kind of like you know to to look at it in concert terms like a, a support act versus a headline act and you know that, that's that's not at all what I think women should be but it's kind of how it comes across from an organizational point of view mm-hmm. um but this year I believe they're mixing it up and, and alternating it is that something you favor or because you know some of these are far away it's going to be a later night and you know it some riders will have part-time jobs or full-time jobs to return to like a super late night might not be favorable i think it's really good because it gives um women more of a an opportunity to kind of expose um themselves and what they're capable of as well as their sponsors because often you know you'll kind of as you might have seen there's a lot of spectators kind of in the evening not many people come to the the first race um whether or not that's because it's women i i doubt it to be honest i think people really enjoy watching women race i think it's literally just 
the first race is always a little bit too early for people to get to after work, especially if you've got kids. So I think that it's um, it's definitely something that is welcomed. I think that a lot of women are happy with it. And I also think it allows women to kind of actually do their part time job and then get to the round in the evening because you have longer to get there. I think that um, that will also help. But equally, I think a lot of men on the domestic scene now, um, I think they have part time jobs. Like, I don't think. Oh, I, I don't really think it's what it once was the UK. Unfortunately, I, there used to be a lot of money knocking about for the men, whereas no one really gets paid very well anymore, which is honestly, it's tragic. But I mean, hey, if the women get to race second and we don't have to have to rush and then be rushed, it, it's definitely a positive thing. I, I can't see it being a negative in, in any way, to be honest. Yeah, on, on that front, like, is the women still going to be... Uh because it, it's usually men is an hour and five laps and is women still going to be 45 minutes and three laps like do you think there should be equality in terms of length of time racing i must admit i'm not 100 sure but i do think that the women can do an hour it's the same in cyclocross i think women can do an hour i think um i think that it's a shame especially when it's shorter to disciplines like crit racing or cyclocross racing when women have to race shorter um events i think that um most people that i speak to who i race against would would rather have an hour i think even when i was a junior i think i'd have enjoyed an hour because it means that you know maybe i'd have that little bit extra time to chase on into the front group and kind of prove how good i was back then so i think yeah that the added 15 minutes plus five laps i think that would be really good definitely yeah it looks like certainly we're we're making steps towards equality but you know there's Mm -hmm. always work to be done i think you know we should always be we be pushing for it certainly in my view um so um historically (laughs) i know you you kind of don't like to, to think of it like this but in the past, when you were much <laughs> younger, um, no, you've, you've done really well at Tour Series um, yeah. years before. <laughs> um, like, do you think crit racing is a style of racing? Like, clearly you've been successful. Therefore, is it a style that suits you or is that? Um, just... I think it's purely based off opportunity and lack of um when I was a junior, we didn't have junior races. When I was a junior, I didn't get to do UCI races. Um, and if you actually look at who's retired in the last few years, it's women that are my age. And I think actually the system broke us. And I can't really put it in any other way. I think it broke us. It, it gave us far less opportunities than, for example, our Dutch or Belgian counterparts. And I think that, you know, we should we should think about how to improve upon that. And I think things have improved a lot. I mean, you know, there's the under 23 junior national series, which is fantastic to see. I'm so glad that they have that because when I was a kid, I came out of racing 45 minute crit races while doing my A-levels, I was racing against Olympians. Like that's just wrong. Like (laughs) on open roads for three hours. Like what? I don't even think I'd I'd done a race that far before. I remember going to to tour res when I rode for Corley Drops, and I was I was asking the girls like, "So how far is this race?" And they were like, "Oh, it's fifty eight miles, Charlotte." And I went, "Oh, really? That's really far." And they just looked at each other like, "What has this kid let herself in for?" And it was just a shock. And I think 
it was really demotivating so obviously now I'm older I just I just want to figure out how I need to get to to where I want to be and and do it because you know I feel like time is running out I feel like although a lot of people are saying now obviously like women can have kids while still racing I think you have that luxury if you're being paid a lot of money if you're not being paid um you have to somehow get to that point <laughs> and then figure it out so yeah I I don't know I guess it was kind of the only big thing in the UK at that point when I was younger was tour series I remember it being a massive thing um and there's a lot of hype around it so yeah it was definitely one of my focuses and especially when I was on Ford riding for Nikki like when I got that third overall I couldn't believe it we were shocked I didn't even know I'd got third overall riding for a teammate like that was just but yeah I don't know it does make me wonder for example if I went to America how well I do in their crit racing scene but I feel like if it's been a couple of seasons and you're not winning anymore no one cares about you anymore like I just think that I think it's a fickle sport at times I think it's tough but I think crit racing I mean you look at Pickcock um again I just think you can really tell who has kind of that ability as I said before to just dig deep and I think that if you can do that what what can't you do really and I think it's the same to be said for for example pursuit riders think about the amount of pursuit riders who've gone to be amazing GC contenders like I just think it's one of those things that if you can get yourself into that kind of level of pain and just sit there then you know you've probably got some level of talent that shouldn't be ignored that's for sure yeah that's really quite yeah a good point I hadn't really considered because I just like to me, crit racers are like a different breed. Like <laughs> some of them are just ridiculous. Uh, I just like yeah, but uh, as you said, like it's that capacity to suffer and and 100%. that sort of coming into a, a mass bunch sprint finish where like if you're good at crit, you can then do any sort of bunch finish. Whereas it you might be good at a, a straight gallop, but if it gets all technical. You, Oh. and you're not a good crit rider then you haven't got a hope yeah I think I think it's really important to be fair I think bike handling is something that is just so valuable if you can handle a bike I mean look at Peru Bay last weekend like <laughs> if you're good at bike handling it's easy to build the engine a lot of people just aren't good bike handlers and even if you work on it it's like, for example, with football, I'm so bad at the skill side of football, but I could do the physical side of it. So obviously I was never going to be a footballer because it just didn't click. Whereas with cycling, it just clicked because I, I guess I was lucky enough to start from a really young age. So it kind of just became second nature. So I think that that part of racing with the tour series is it's just it's fantastic. Like seeing people just bombing it around the corners like. I remember watching Ed Clancy when I was younger riding Tour Series and just being like, wow, like he's just phenomenal. Like he's just a different level bike handler. And I just, I loved it. Just the whole kind of atmosphere, watching other riders who I really admired. And then obviously growing up to get to do it was amazing. But yeah, um, I think the bike handling aspect of Tour Series is actually probably my favorite. So even if you're not for example, doing well, if, you, if you're out the back, but you're absolutely bombing it around corners and you've just taken the perfect line, there's such a, 
a kick that you get out of that. I guess it's kind of a bit egotistical, but it's a kick nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes you get that, like, it's that... So I did um, PE at school um, for GCSE, um, not that you'd know, um, <laughs> but, like, there's one thing we talked about, which was the sort of knowledge of performance versus knowledge of results. And like that idea of taking that perfect line is you've got that knowledge of performance. You know, you've performed well there. The result might not show it, but (laughs) like if you're stone dead last, but you're taking perfect lines, you still had a good performance. It's just everyone else was on a different level. And that's, and sometimes that's easier to take. Like Mm -hmm. I don't like losing. But if I've done my best, I'm like, I'm kind of at peace, you know? Yeah, I think it's difficult. I think that it's the same kind of I found with mountain bike. Um, when you ride a feature really well, you get such a buzz. So even if you're out the back, it's like, oh, well, I'm getting a few little kicks out of this. But I mean, overall, I think most of us, especially me, like I like to win. I obviously have not done any winning uh, for a fair while, but um I yeah I don't know even if I've won something I'd often feel um not fully satisfied I think because you know that you're then gonna have to mentally prepare and and kind of get ready for the next opportunity to show everyone that actually you've not not become rubbish within a short space of time which I think kind of is a a small nagging voice of imposter syndrome that a lot of cyclists I think suffer from even the really you know, big names, I think, all kind of think, oh, I'm only as good as my last race, which is stupid. Like, if you told that to a sports psych, they'd be like, no, you're wrong, which, yeah, definitely you are wrong. But I think when you want it that bad, it's hard to reason with your own brain, (laughs) especially when you're thinking, win, we need to win, win this. And obviously, I've got lots of fourths, so I was close, but I just didn't quite get it right, which I feel like, is a trend that I really want to break. <laughs> yeah, and isn't that the weirdest thing about cycling is that it's filled with so many participants who are like born winners and so competitive, but you spend most of your time losing. Like automatically, <laughs> like literally every cyclist who's ever been, they have spent more races losing than oh. winning. But all of us are like, oh, I have to win at all oh. costs almost. All of us are still absolutely hooked on this idea that we must get our wheel across that finish line before everyone else. When you really think about it, it sounds so silly. But in reality, it's such a beautiful sport and I would argue an art form. So, (laughs) you know, I'm happy if this is what I'm going to kind of um, base my life around is getting that wheel across the line before anyone else, regardless of discipline. I will happily keep going, even if there's still not any wins in the near future I'll just keep going until there is (laughs) yeah and that's really good like that sort of I don't want to say pig-headed because that sounds a bit rude but you know like yeah that that sort of stubbornness that Mm. resilience and toughness of never giving up I think that's really really admirable and and with the idea of making sure your will is sort of first over the line like what would be your ideal tour series course so that you could win like you know your attributes therefore you know what what you would build to make sure you're that first person a really good question I really really liked the Croydon round a few few years ago um that for me was just like that was perfect I mean 
I feel like I could have ridden off. I, I was that was not what I was there to do. But um, I just enjoyed it so much. And I think when you're really enjoying a course, it's almost like it numbs the pain a bit. <laughs> I feel like you're so wrapped up in your own world of, right, now we need to get uh, onto this line to take this corner. And then after that, I need to position myself here so I can kind of get around here. Oh, there's back markers. I need to quickly move onto this line to get around them. And I just think it's like, it's so fast paced and... Oh, I just love it. It's just carnage. And I just love that chaos. And I think um, it's the same with, say, like racing uh, in Europe, like just their road races. It's just carnage. And I love that. I think in the UK, it's different because we we have such grippy races and that really does not suit me. But anything that's just fast and carnage, that's just got my name written all over it. it is it... <laughs> So I'm trying to think back to when I did a little bit of racing and like in any sort of crit, I was just first out of the back um, mm. and sort of pedaling on my own for most of the race. And it made it quite a, a boring experience. Mm. Uh, and I feel like, is it, do you need that carnage to kind of keep you sort of engaged in the race and going, oh yeah, there's always something going on, which means there's always something to think about. Whereas if it was just, like oh brakes gone up the road we'll catch them in five minutes like we'll just we'll get there do you know what I mean like yeah I think I don't know I I feel like if I was out the front on my own I'd, I'd think it was carnage because there's still quite quite a lot to think about and obviously feedback from your uh, manager or DS and the pits um time gaps I mean I'm one of these people that you know I like I like to know I like to be aware of what's going on so I just feel like it's always carnage. And then obviously there's always lots of crashes, which are always really unfortunate. And I myself was caught up in one. Oh, when was it? It was Birkenhead 2019. Was it 20? Yes. And this was on sighting lap. Sighting oh, wow. lap I was taken out. <laughs> Someone dive bombed their um, teammate and then it took me and I think it was Sophie and Ever out. So we weren't too happy that day and I felt really good. So I was really annoyed but I mean it's carnage you if I went on if I went to the race and didn't expect to crash or thought in my head there's definitely no chance of me crashing I'd honestly be an idiot like it you might crash and that's just how it is and as Matt always says to me um you know you've got to accept that if you if you're racing you know you might crash especially if you're going hard enough it's just something that happens and he's had his fair share of crashes so I can imagine yeah yeah okay I'll I'll just ride like a crazy person. That's absolutely no problem. Oh, fair enough. I mean, it's, it's not the style I'd really go for myself, but... I mean, I wouldn't necessarily take someone... I Like, I would definitely would not take someone out. Of you have course. to be mindful of the people around you, which I think... Um, I think it can be difficult if you've not raced tour series too much to kind of have that level of awareness of other riders around you. So I think that can make it a bit difficult if a bit dangerous. Um, but yeah, I think that just in general, it's just, Oh, it's madness. It's pure madness, but it's great. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, are there any sort of rounds that you're looking forward to? I don't know if you've seen any particular routes like I, certainly I haven't but I don't know if any have been published in terms of what the courses are going to be but is there any place you're looking to visit and going oh yeah I'll really like to go to Sunderland for an example um whether right or wrong <laughs> I think the barking round would be really interesting um so I'm looking forward to that one 
obviously mm. we have i think all the oh not all of the rounds but most of the rounds are new uh, if not the first time we've ridden them was last year so um especially given my kind of physical state last year obviously hoping that it doesn't happen again i mean i'm sure it won't but hey it's tour series you never know what can happen yeah i mean so it starts in Giesborough on the second then you've got Sunderland after that mm-hmm. uh Shields, I feel like it's been there before uh, maybe the men I don't think the yeah, women quite, quite possibly yeah Strenra also in Scotland and then it's going down to Clacton-on-Sea down in Essex um and then Barking's the last one mm. and the Tour Series website is describing that as it promises to be one of the quickest rounds in history um well- that I like fast and I like carnage. And so we, <laughs> yeah, we need to look out for you on that last round on the 21st. Well, it's on a ooh, Saturday as well. Pressure. Oh. Yeah. Well, we, we, we shall see. We'll just, we'll see how I'm going because, you know, you never know. I, I've literally hardly raced for the last three years because of work, obviously COVID and then long COVID. So oh, we shall see how my body fares. Yeah, how's that recovering going? Because I know you've talked a little about it, but... So I'm absolutely fine now. I'm the strongest I've ever been. It's just obviously, you never know, kind of, if you've been away from racing, I think that you kind of have that, um, especially crit racing, it's so fast. It's I always found that the first round, I'd always be a bit off, like not quite myself, Mm. and then kind of warm into it, which I think is really good about having them slightly more space to part this year obviously i appreciate last year it was they just had to fit them in wherever they could yeah and it was great that we still had them but yeah i i'm feeling really strong my numbers are really good i i'm just a completely different rider now so hopefully hopefully this year's a good year <laughs> yeah of course i mean it is there an element of then like kind of certainly in like boxing or wrestling they talk about ring rustiness like if you haven't had a fight in a while or you've been off with an injury, you know, mm. like it takes a little, a little time to to find that back because you can't replicate competition effort in training. You can try, but you'll never really get it because there's not a flag to race for. There's not, you mm. know. I would say that it doesn't really affect me too much to be fair I um I'm definitely more of a racer than a trainer I train really hard but I'm just one of these people that you know and that's the same we could look absolutely dead in training and then all of a sudden freshen up and just flying like it just I think that some people are just kind of like born racers I think that some people just that element of kind of competitiveness and stubbornness of like, I will hurt more than you can hurt. Like <laughs> I will do this because pride is on the line. Like I think that athletes who just love competing can just do that. I think. And I really just love that lifestyle really of just racing and, and kind of just the, I guess, everything about it so um I don't know I've never really suffered with that um I understand why people think um that they might but yeah I'm I'm just not the same in that respect I um I just enjoy racing and I always look forward to having a having a race and sometimes getting my head kicked in and sometimes doing all right so we just (laughs) 
And I, I enjoyed that as well. I enjoyed the not knowing how, how I'll do. And I think that sometimes you have to take the uncertainties and actually turn them into positives, because if not, you're just going to be a nervous wreck all the time. And I think that, um, especially after the year I've had, kind of with the long COVID last year and then um, a family cancer diagnosis, like I'm just, I'm just a different person. I feel like the things that once bothered me, they just can't touch me anymore. <laughs> And, yeah, um, just here to have a good time and race. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I guess, like, there's something I heard recently about, like, you know, how you always go, oh, what if this goes wrong? Mm. And everyone always says, what if, and then prophesies something bad. But it's like, how about just say, what if it goes amazingly? Because yeah. you're guessing anyway. You're making it up. Good. Why not make up something amazing? I think that's the thing. Um, so I did do some I actually was really looking I had CBT and then I did some work with a sports psychologist and focusing on the uncontrollables is just you're just going to lose in your in your head before you've even got to the start line you've lost that battle and so much of it is to do with your psyche and how you see it and for years I've been so lucky to have some really great people who've seen me from when I was really young to now. So people like um, Stuart Blunt and Jenny Gretton, who I've spoken to recently, they're just like, you know, just focus on, you know, you and being kind of yourself. And I think that's a really important thing is, you know, there's all these controllables that, you know, what if things could go wrong? And as a writer who suffers with anxiety, you know, I'm prone to thinking what if. But again, you can turn that what if into a positive by saying, as you said, what if it goes amazing? And I think that's the thing. If you're always sat there thinking, what if you're just going to paralyze yourself with fear? And I think that living in fear, it doesn't lead to greatness. And if you want to be great at something or even just good, you know, there's no shame in not wanting to be the best. There's no shame in wanting to just, you know, be really consistent. I think that you have to accept that sometimes you have to see things from a different perspective and a different angle. And I think that I've been really lucky that I've been able to do that. Cause when I was younger, like, I was very far away from that. And I think if I could see me now when I was younger, say about 15, 16, I would be so shocked that I was this kind of uh, pragmatic, to be honest. I would, I would, I'm, I'm an emotional person, but I think that you can use that emotion and uh, put it into actually channeling and, and, competing at a level that you wouldn't necessarily think you could or even just getting through training I think it doesn't have to just be competing you can use all of these kind of mindset kind of changes to improve just your everyday life even if you're not an athlete I think that's the other thing people forget that it's not all about the athletes I think um, even if you're say a team manager or um, a swanee you know everyone feels uh nervous before races because you know you have people that you want to do well and I think you know if you don't worry about the what ifs and you kind of channel it into actually this nervous energy I can use it and I can use that energy to then do my job to the best of my ability or you know ride to the best of your ability whatever it may be I think that's the that's the thing like all of these little tricks and top tips they're universal and I, I just love that yeah, that's awesome. Um, 
I, that ability to look back and go, oh, if 16-year-old me could see where I am now, that, that really shows growth. Because if you couldn't recognize that, then you wouldn't have grown to, yeah. to notice that difference. I think that's awesome. Um, I think it's still hard. Like, if I look back and I'd seen how little I'd achieved, I think I would be really disappointed. But um, I think that progression is not linear. I'm still just 23. And I think that I have no clue what the future holds. And I've just been really unlucky and unfortunate and not had the opportunity. So I think if if I'm being realistic with myself, I don't think many people would be able to... Um, well, you just physically couldn't if you've got long COVID. I don't know how you'd be doing really well and flourishing. Um, but yeah. it's just it's just is what it is, and I'm not in control of that. But I am in control of me right now, and hopefully, therefore, my future. So, you know, hopefully, things start to to turn around because you know it is really hard. And I think, as well as an athlete, um, you're always expected to be really strong. And because I'm well, I come across as confident. I think that people just quite taken back when you struggle I think that there's also still a massive taboo around women having mental health issues I don't think it's just men I think men do have it worse but you know um I think that people pick and choose sometimes when it comes to oh you know maybe they're just emotional when really it's actually a crippling mental health issue so I think that's that's also difficult but um I'm lucky enough to kind of understand myself on a level that I can almost use the negatives as positives because I you know I'm anxious I can obviously turn the what-ifs into positives if because I'm depressed I often feel like I have nothing to lose so I will just go for it and I think for a lot of people that sounds quite kind of um, intense but that's just the reality for people who have mental health issues you know it's intense inside of our brains and sometimes we have to use that to our advantage and you know kind of take control if we can because not everyone has the the ability to take control because sometimes you know they're really unwell and that's really sad but I definitely think in cycling um it's still a bit taboo and it's a real shame but yeah I just think well yeah because it is a a mentality thing of like Mm. if you're injured there's a lot of valor in continuing like Mm. I can still remember in one of the recent tours, I say recent, uh, I'm going to talk about George Hincopy now, so it's not that recent, but like, it, it, there's a sort of legendary status that he broke a rib on, on stage 19 and still led out Cav on, on the Champs-Élysées with a broken rib. Or like, um, oh, there's someone who crashed recently and he just clambered back up the side of a cliff and just like, oh yeah, just get me a bike, I need a bike. Like, <laughs> Do you know what I mean, though? There's a lot of valor in continuing when it's tough. It is a very tough sport, but then admitting that there's something going on with your mental health isn't the toughest move. Well, in some ways, it is a tough move because it's hard to do and hard to admit. But do you reckon there's maybe something in that sort of mentality that no one wants to show an element of supposed weakness, not that it is? Mm. I, I, I think so. I think a lot of people as well would um, not want to share their inner feelings, for example, on social media. Obviously, I'm quite open and honest about how I feel, but I think in telling my story, um, I'm not a victim. Like, I don't feel like anything that's happened to me. I, I don't feel like a victim. I think that 
I'm a strong individual who's got through most of their stuff by themselves. And I'm really proud of that. And I think that actually, because I've suffered and I continue to suffer with mental health issues, I think that it shows that I'm really, really resistant. Like I don't really think there's many things that can not destroy me because that would sound over the top, but do you know what I mean? I think that mentally, maybe I'm moving towards the unbreakable. I'm not sure. I, I think that a lot, I think a lot of people who suffer with mental health issues who are also athletes will understand kind of the, the point I'm trying to make is I think that a lot of people are like, Oh, but that person, you know, all oh, the mental health issues, but really like we just, you know, pain, physical pain. That's, that's a completely different thing. Like I don't think physical pain is anywhere near as bad as the, the kind of anguish that you can feel at times because of your own brain, just telling you things that, aren't true and I think that because you can't just run away from your own brain um sometimes sport and the physical pain that comes with sport is a great outlet you know you can just ride when when things aren't good or you're too in your own head just getting on your bike and riding you know it it doesn't it doesn't matter if you know you don't feel too strong mentally but if you can get on your bike get out there be by yourself be present in the moment I think there's so much power in that and then obviously the health benefits are amazing and you get loads of endorphins and stuff just from doing that so I think that actually um you know although it's seen as a negative thing I I think that the stigma surrounding mental health is unfair and sometimes it can be used to your own advantage which some people might find confusing um or a confusing point to make but um I just personally feel like I just I can't give up because there's this sort of obsession which would I have this obsession if I wasn't you know suffering with like depression anxiety I'm not I'm not sure but I think it's almost as well like this um this need to to better myself for me um it's not other people like I don't it, it what other people think of me is not my business um I just want to better myself because inside of me I have this desire to just keep moving forward and to keep going to better myself so that I can get to a point that I say do you know what I gave everything and I did everything that I could because if I don't I know that my anxiety will eat away at me one day and be like oh you know I'm a 40 odd year old and I've got children and I'm sat there just thinking what if what if I just went for it and I think that that thought definitely powers me on you know in the when you're out on your bike and it's raining and you've got effort still to do and you're just thinking this is not too pleasant just thinking of stuff like that it's just like no I might not want to do it today and I might be struggling but for future Charlotte I'm going to make sure that I do it and I'm going to keep going and do as much as I possibly can and control all the controllables and if I still don't do it then at least I can say I tried and I think that's kind of the mentality a lot of athletes have and I think that a lot of people just don't get it I've had so many people be like so when you're just going to accept that you're not going to make it and give up just that I just can't give up though because to me that's giving up on myself and if I give up on myself then I feel like my mental health has won over me and I don't like that idea because I like to win <laughs> yeah of course like there's a couple of things I want to want to touch on from that actually um Firstly, and not to make it all about myself, but um, certainly that that anxiety of like of always feeling what if like there's I still remember one race where 
I finally had good legs on a course I knew as my local course and I crashed. I was like, I was gutted because <laughs> I like I, I finished not far down on the bunch when I finally got back running and I wasn't like I was only what 8k from the finish mm. and that feeling of what if that still eats away at me mm. and and like I don't do racing anymore so I, I probably won't feel that glory of, of crossing the line first um but you know that, that's only secondary to my main point which was going to be do you think there's an element of like because mental health can be so uncontrollable mm. whereas cycling and the pain that you put you yourself through it is a choice like you're going okay I'm gonna get on my bike it's gonna hurt but I know it's gonna hurt and I'm I have control over this pain and do you mm. think that has a a sort of cathartic feeling because you're controlling it rather than it it controlling you yeah I definitely see it has an element of catharsis I feel like especially when I was younger I was always searching for ways that I could feel in control because I felt vastly out of control constantly um especially when you're young and you know you're impressionable and you're lonely I think that feeling in control is something that it almost becomes an obsession to seek and I think that that probably took me to some quite dark places and I think that when I was younger that's probably why well I know it's probably it is why um I maybe started to fall by the wayside a bit um yeah I think the control element I would say for a lot of things in cycling is um it's kind of why it happens so I think with food I know when I was younger I wanted to control how much I ate because I felt in control and I didn't feel in control of anything else I, I couldn't understand why I couldn't be in control of my future the kind of the what if you know what if I get to say 20 and I've still not uh become world champion or something because this is the point where I was doing a lot of track and you know I was getting coaches tell me you know one day you'll be you know lining up for the TP against the Australians and you know all these sessions are going to really like help you to get to that point and I think at that point I felt out of control I felt like you know what if I can't take it and I remember being so worried like I hardly slept when I was younger I was so scared that what if I can't do it what if I get to that point and I let everyone down and I think that honestly just controlled me I just did not feel in control that thought of just being inadequate even though there was no reason like when I look back there was no reason for me to feel inadequate because I wasn't and clearly my results when I was younger showed that but you know to me no one could get through and I think as well I felt like no one really tried which then I obviously felt like right I need to control things for myself so I'm going to you know leave British cycling I'm going to you know try and control my destiny by doing my A-levels which luckily I did well in which before before I left BC I was not doing too well in them or just in school in general I was kind of I think my attendance was 60% but I was I was just really struggling and I think yeah, I, I think that the control was something I didn't have and I really wanted. Whereas now I just don't really, I want control in ways, but I don't, I don't I'm not kind of the, the athlete that is constantly like, oh, I want to do this training. Like I'll literally just do what I'm told. Like I like quite an authoritarian approach. Um, but 
yeah i think the control element is a tough one i think that it does it definitely seeps out in a lot of aspects of sport even if it's not just the riders i think that a lot of people um because it's such a unpredictable sport as you said most of us will will do a lot more losing or all of us will do a lot more losing than we do winning so i feel like trying to control things and hopefully your fate therefore it's definitely an obsession that sometimes is a bit unhealthy to say the least <laughs> hmm. yeah um just want to to sort of round things off then if i if i may um i guess it's tour series is on the agenda is there anything else we should be looking out for you for i mean i, I know you yeah. You have done some some work for British Continental um, with that Rafa kit, which, by the way, looks amazing. Oh, um, yeah, I'm not. I I must admit, I'm not sure I'll be racing this year. Um, it uh, talking about controlling the controllables. I might just go out to Belgium for a bit and do some commerce racing because I've done well there before. And as I said, I just love the fast racing. It's carnage. It's fun the way that they ride, just the style of riding out there just suits me down to the ground. And I feel like um, probably my happiest times have been racing, you know, out, out in the Netherlands or in Belgium. So hopefully I can, I can do a bit of that, but yeah, with the work front, I've kind of got some exciting things coming up. So I'm feeling really blessed that at least uh, work stuff is going well. So hopefully, hopefully I'll have some, uh, some all right tour series results. That'd be really good to get that in for the team also be um fun to ride with my team because obviously having not raced too much um I, I missed the social element as well i think that's a really important part of racing that should be kind of emphasized more so i'll be really excited to see my teammates to get out there and race and yeah just see how i do oh brilliant and um, for people to be able to keep up with all this upcoming exciting work and your commesser racing in Belgium as well as the tour so it's like how, how can people follow you on socials and, and all that uh, goodness? So I tend to um spew my inner thoughts on Twitter and just post photos on Instagram I yeah I don't know it's just kind of how I how I do it maybe I should might uh make maybe I should make a, a blog I'm not sure but for now it's just Twitter and Instagram really that I use okay um and how will people find you on them Oh, so my handles. <laughs> yeah, that, that... Oh, my handles. That's a really good question. I think my handle on Instagram is Char Broughton. And on Twitter, you can find me at Char underscore Broughton. Lovely. We'll put those in the show notes as well. So thank you for that. Uh, and thank you for chatting. Awesome. Thanks very much. Mm-hmm.